Good evening and welcome to another episode of Sass Kippy Mama. I believe this is episode six. Who knows though? Um, so I might have some technical difficulties. I'm working with a few new pieces of technology. So please bear with me if I have any hiccups here. Um, I of course keep my Instagram most up to date, blogs pretty up to date. Um, YouTube and podcast is the least up to date. I think I always like to think it's because it takes the most time, but also it's because I'm the least disciplined with those two items. I also uh, was kind of like, oh, what do I talk about? So I don't spill the beans and tell everyone I'm pregnant. Um, so even though I was able to kind of keep it a secret on social media and uh, on my blog, I, I was scared that I was going to spill the beans, especially because I look like a ghost. I don't look very healthy and um, I have a hard time getting through very much without uh, gagging um, or dry heaving. <clears throat> I'm sorry, my throat keeps on crapping out. I've been working from home because of the COVID-19 crisis and I've been doing a lot of conference calling, way more um, talking probably than I'm used to and then I just spent an hour trying to record uh, YouTube videos and I was just having difficulty being succinct. So we'll see how long my voice lasts as well as how long my technology holds up for. <laughs> Um, I do like to run these uh, podcasts for about a half hour, so we'll see if I can do that. I, Like I said, I've already spent an hour talking about my pregnancy, so um, if you want to read more about like the trying to conceive portion um, kind of stuff, I have that info on the blog um, about how I was cycle tracking and various stuff like that. My um, YouTube update is about, you know, week one through 11. I'm on week 11 and a half right now. So I'm end, nearing the end of my first trimester, which I'm so, so excited about because I've been feeling so terrible um, this whole time. Um, so something that I thought would be fun is I got given this document from the doctor when I went to my prenatal appointment one week ago. And I have never gotten a document like this before. So I wanted to go through it with you folks. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I just thought it was, a, first of all, a really good document. Second of all, um, it just so often, even though there are things that it's like, we know this, we hear people say different things. And then we also maybe get misinformed on the internet um, by each other or for whatever reason. Anyway, I just, I really like this list because it uh, reaffirmed some things that I always think. And then it also, I don't know, it just a few different things. Okay, so first of all, congratulations, you're pregnant. Here are some guidelines on how to get your pregnancy off to a healthy start. If you have any questions, please ask your doctor. There are a list of useful websites at the end of this handout. So yeah, I was I was really impressed with this handout. Like I said, I've never gotten anything like this before from a doctor or uh, anyone. Um, the midwifery program provides a really great like binder, but they still didn't have anything like this, which I just thought was super helpful, especially if this was your first pregnancy. I think the resident that gave this to me was feeling like a little bit maybe embarrassed to even give it to me because maybe I come across as like hyper confident or something, but I'm always interested to get more information because I love 
babies and pregnancies and all of these kinds of things. I do want to clarify, I don't love being pregnant. I hate being pregnant, but I like everything surrounding it, especially info about it. Um, if, if you know me at all, uh, you probably know that I have this uh, secret, not so secret desire to become a midwife one day. And I really hope that I get the opportunity to um, be in a financial position where I can take the time to go and do the training because it is it would be a few years and I would also have to leave the province to go do it so it would be a really big commitment and as I have a growing family right now I don't know how realistic that is um, but maybe they, you know I have my whole life ahead of me so who knows okay so number one start taking a prenatal vitamin with folic acid right away so something that I want to clarify about this that my doctor clarified with me um, is that actually the most important time to take a prenatal vitamin is before you even get pregnant. So if you read my blog, you'll know that I was practicing uh, trimester zero. I was trying to get pregnant, so I wasn't drinking. I wasn't um, using marijuana, all of these things, or I was using it very limitedly. Uh, and um, I was taking a prenatal vitamin before. The reason why is because your reserves in your body of folic acid are actually what make the you know the neural tube and the spinal cord of your baby so even if you start taking your prenatal vitamin in your pregnancy it's a little bit too late so it's really good to have those stores up nice and high before you even get pregnant um but that doesn't mean stop taking your prenatal vitamin if you can keep it down please do so so folic acid helps prevent spine defects in developing babies this should ideally be started before pregnancy when possible and is most important in the first three months of pregnancy. Look for a vitamin with 0.4 to 1 milligram of folic acid per day. Some women may need more, ask your doctor. Vitamin D at a dose of 600 to 200 IU per day is also recommended for most women. You might consider taking DHA 200 milligram per day, which is omega-3, if you eat fish or seafood less than twice a week, ask your doctor if you need any other supplements in pregnancy. Um, so one that would be like a more medical one that you might need would be progesterone, but you likely, if you need to be on progesterone, they'd likely be vaginal suppositories and you'd likely be on some kind of fertility treatment plan. Um, so I wanted to talk a little bit about these different things. I get a lot of vitamin D because I've been drinking a ton of chocolate milk, <laughs> maybe not the healthiest thing, but um, that's the way that I'm getting a lot of vitamin D. Um, folic acid, I get a lot of um, from eating leafy greens uh, and um, omega-3, I have been eating, I, I tend to practice either vegetarianism or pescatarianism, so is that a word? I don't know. Um, but I do eat enough fish and seafood, so I do think I get enough omega-3. That being said, I am taking a giant horse pill of a prenatal vitamin that I try and keep down as much as possible. And like I said, I did serve that before. Um, one, two recommendations that I got from my midwife is if you cannot swallow your horse pills, at least take a folic acid. Um, and then another thing that my midwife said is if you can find gummy, so like chewy gummy, not like the powdery chewy one, um, prenatal vitamins, those can also be um, a really good alternative and they won't trigger your gag reflex as much. I just happen to have this huge giant bottle of prenatal vitamins, so I kind of need to get through it before I can justify buying anything else. Number two, 
don't drink alcohol. Now, this might seem like a crazy one to include in this checklist because you're like, duh, doesn't everybody know not to drink alcohol? But you would be surprised how many people not only drink alcohol while pregnant, but also are like, no big deal to drink alcohol while pregnant. Now, do not get me wrong. I do know that the zero tolerance for alcohol is only a thing in the Western world. So really like only in Canada and the States and other parts of the world, it's like they have different recommendations for women and alcohol while pregnant. Um, but it's just, it's a really weird thing to find some kind of weird resistance and, and lack of support um, while pregnant. Um, so if you're experiencing that, Rest assured, there's a checklist here that says straight up don't drink. Um, so just be encouraged about that. I have a partner who drinks throughout my whole pregnancy <laughs> and that's fine, that's not what gets me down. It's more like if we're in a group of people and someone's like, man, just that drink won't hurt. And I'm just like, why risk it? Um, so the reason being this can cause fetal alcohol uh, spectrum disorder, FASD, which can lead to serious problems for babies. These babies may be smaller than normal, have growth concerns and learning and behavioral problems, which can last a lifetime. So yeah, so of course it is a spectrum disorder. So there are um, people that make it out with very minor side effects and then all the way to very major. Again, a very, um, I don't know, something that I was told again um, by by a midwife was, you know, as long as you're not getting drunk, um, and I've heard that repeated several times, that it's like, it's the excess, but there is also all of that information out there that's like uh, zero tolerance because we actually don't know what a safe amount is. And then we also don't really know at what stage of pregnancy it would be okay, if that makes sense. Um, there are lots of people that are like, until you stay pink, or until you see pink, you can drink. So until you test positive. So in that first um, month, if you don't know you're pregnant, like don't worry too much if you were drinking. But again, I was practicing. I did have um, like a drink when we were in Calgary um, in January before I tested positive, but I was practicing other than that. So it was just one drink. Um, but other than that, I was practicing uh, trimester zero, which was no drinking um, while trying to get pregnant. Oh, I lost it. Bear with me a moment. I lost my piece of paper. Oh no, now I'm breaking everything. So my office is just like really crowded with a bunch of stuff that is not mine. And I think that my husband would be very irritated at me if he heard me call it my office. Um, but it is. So I have lots of things in here that, that I love and I would like to make it more of my space, but it tends to kind of be a storage room slash room for a bunch of stuff that isn't mine. So anyway, that's what just happened there. Number three, stop smoking. Smoking can cause significant growth problems for your baby as well as many health problems for moms. Um, so now I have heard again, various things on smoking. I wrote a paper when I was in university and in it, it we were talking about um, things that are bad for babies while moms are pregnant. And the number one thing in all the studies that I reviewed was smoking, um, cigarettes specifically. 
So if that's like the number one worst thing, maybe stop. Um, I don't know what your particular situation is or what your doctor tells you or what you feel personally in your life. Again, I know a lot of people that smoked while they're pregnant. Um, and I, I, I hold no judgment in my heart. It's your pregnancy, it's your body. And you know, it, there are women that do, they take every single precaution and still have complications and still have babies that have issues when they're born. And then there's other women that literally didn't know they were pregnant and continued on doing whatever they wanted. And then they pushed out a perfectly fine baby at the end. So pregnancy is a major gamble, no matter what. Um, it's the kind of gamble that you can increase your odds on though. <laughs> um, so if you want to try and have the healthiest pregnancy possible, it's probably a good idea to stop smoking. Um, or not be smoking in the first place. Say no to recreational drugs. Remember anything you use, your baby is using too. If you need help quitting smoking drugs or alcohol, contact mental health and addiction services. Um, so this is another thing that I've heard a lot of uh, kind of mixed advice on, um, specifically marijuana. Um, I have heard about like microdosing, helping women uh, specifically with anxiety and nausea during pregnancy. I have a lot of friends who ingested uh, mar marijuana while they were pregnant. Um, I am a former medicinal patient. So before I was pregnant with Oliver, I had my medical card for a, for a few years actually, and it was really successful in, in managing um, some symptoms I had related to a general anxiety disorder. When I found out I was pregnant, um, the number one first recommendation I received from a, a doctor was to stop using marijuana in all forms, in all capacity. When I went back to be reassessed after I gave birth, I was again recommended to not go back onto medicinal marijuana until my son was completely weaned. Um, so. It, it's really interesting because again, it, it, it is so mixed depending on the medical provider you talk to, they'll give you different information. Um, depending on the person you talk to, they're going to give you different information. I think that, uh, again, with that kind of same principle of increasing your odds at health, having a healthy baby and having a healthy pregnancy, stay away from it if you can. Um, but if it's going to be one of those things, just like women that are on serious medication for um, you know, mental health issues when they get pregnant, they, they continue on or they just change to a different prescription or something like that. Like maybe talk to your doctor, maybe, um, marijuana will continue to be the best solution for you for managing, uh, whether that be chronic pain, whether that be severe nausea, whether that be, um, your anxiety. Um, I would say, and this is a recommendation from anybody that prescribes medicinal marijuana is ingested in some way other than uh, smoking. So um, because one of the major problems with smoking cigarettes and marijuana is that it, restrict, it restricts flow of oxygen to the placenta and that's the only way your baby breathes. So if you can, um, you know, and if you are deciding to continue your marijuana use, seek out other ways to ingest it. Um, again, if it's for pain relief, maybe use a topical cream. Um, there's lots of really good topical creams that you can use to reduce inflammation and pain that have um, maybe a CBD component to them, a CBD2 component or a THC component. 
Um, there's lots of oils, lots of lubes that you can buy to um, help reduce uh, inflammation and pain um, topically. Uh, also, if you can, like if it's more like a, if you have a sleep disorder or if it's for anxiety, maybe a CBD2 that has zero trace of THC um, in it would be a perfectly good alternative for you. And then it has no psychedelic properties whatsoever. So that could be really good. Um, CBD oil could also be with maybe trace amounts like a, a 0.07 or something like that. Trace amounts of THC could also be a, a solution. Um, and then maybe just, again, seeking out those low THC or 50-50, or if you do, for whatever reason, need like something stronger with THC, um, again, just like finding ways to do it in a way that is as safe as possible for you and your fetus. Um, so yeah, so definitely like, uh, pills, oils, uh, ingestibles rather than, um, smokables. Um, vaporizing is like one of those ones that I think is kind of out, um, like the jury's kind of out on is again, like I know a lot of people are like, oh, vaporizing has zero health consequences. And then there's other people that are like, vaporizing is just as bad as smoking. Um, so I'm just not sure. Anytime you're holding your breath though, or anytime you are, uh, you know, making making the amount of oxygen compromised it's just harmful for your baby so i uh, think about that but all, uh, okay all of that being said though it's the, i don't know it might be this is maybe a stretch and again i'm no doctor this is no kind of advice this is just me rambling um but it might be kind of the same thing as like heavy weight lifters you know, usually the recommendation for pregnant ladies don't lift something over 30 pounds, but then there's these women that are like Olympic lifters and they lift like 350 pounds every day and they do it throughout their whole pregnancies and it doesn't do anything, you know, like it's not harmful to their baby. It's not harmful to them. It's perfectly safe. So I'm not sure if maybe that has any, um, kind of crossover to these kind of issues, but just a thought. And the reason why I thought of that is specifically synchronized swimmers who do a lot of breath um, holding. And I would think that it's probably, or maybe it's not safe. I have no idea. Actually, if you're a synchronized swimmer and you got pregnant and your doctor told you to stop synchronized swimming, let me know because I'd be interested to hear about that. Um, eat healthy. Aim for a balanced diet with lots of vegetables, fruits, whole grains, protein, and dairy or alternatives. Aim for a calcium intake of 1,000 milligrams per day, ideally from food and beverages. Three to four servings of dairy a day. Your recommended weight gain will depend on your pre-pregnancy weight. Discuss this with your doctor or see the website attached. Um, so that is definitely like an increase of dairy or alternatives. Um, than what would typically be on like just the Canadian food pyramid. Um, so that's interesting. Eat healthy is such a, like a weird one while you're pregnant because it, for me specifically, and it might be the same case for you, it is so hard to eat at all. So I just follow like whatever I know I can keep down and I just like stay away from foods that I know will make me puke or that don't look appetizing to me or whatever because so sometimes that means that I eat like maybe not the best choices but specifically this pregnancy i think i've been doing really well i've been eating a lot of uh seafood and um a lot of vegetables actually a lot of fruit 
Um, and the time, like I do throw up almost every day, but it's interesting because it tends to be like kind of weird foods that I'm throwing up that you wouldn't normally think um, would cause like a massive food aversion or gagging. Um, so anyway, it's just interesting, but I think basically take it easy on yourself while you're pregnant and just kind of like do what you can in terms of diet. Don't be too stressed out about being like eating really healthy or anything like that. Um, I think the main thing is just try not to gorge. I've been having a lot of like um, acid reflux and heartburn um, this pregnancy, which is different than my last pregnancy. I didn't get heartburn until the um, third trimester when I was pregnant with Oliver. Um, but yeah, so I mean, just do the best you can uh, with what you've got and don't be too worried about it. I think I've read mostly that like between like five and 10 pounds is recommended weight gain in the first trimester. Um, and I have no idea what I'm at uh, for weight gain. I know I'm 175 pounds right now, but I don't know if that was like gained in these last two and a half months or if it was just like what I was at beforehand. Um, nausea and vomiting are common pregnancy symptoms, especially in the first trimester. Try to keep up with drinking small sips of fluid often. Small frequent snacks and meals may help. If you're having trouble coping, ask your doctor who may be able to prescribe medication. If you're worried about getting dehydrated, see a doctor or go to the hospital right away. Um, I have acquaintances and friends who have had to go to the hospital for dehydration in their first trimester. Um, and I think it's actually like um, maybe one of the most common, um, treatable things in early pregnancy. Um, I often am like kind of, if your pregnancy isn't going to work out in the first trimester, it's not going to work out. It's only in like the second and third trimester that there are like life saving measures for your baby. Um, but this is something that is like life saving for you, especially if you're having a lot of troubles. Um, I'm having a lot of troubles keeping down fluids, uh, that, so that's again back to like a weird thing that is making me puke is water. Um, so I'm just, I'm trying my best. I one, one tip that I have is try and eat food that is um, a high water content. So um, fruits, uh, vegetables, those sorts of things that are just like really, uh, I've also been doing like um, milkshakes, frozen yogurt, ice cream, popsicles, those sorts of things, like things that are mostly, you know, fluid based. Um, Cause yeah, that's a definite major concern. Small amounts of vaginal bleeding or spotting can be normal in pregnancy, especially in the first trimester, but should always be reported promptly to your doctor. If you have any heavy bleeding, which is soaking a pad an hour, continuous fluid leaking or intense cramping, go to the hospital right away. If you are unsure, contact your doctor, the health line, or labor and delivery assist assessment nurse. Um, so yeah, so I haven't been having any spotting or bleeding, which is amazing. Um, I think, again, as I've mentioned before, in your first trimester, it's very normal to have spotting. And if you have, um, you know, significant bleeding that needs to be managed because you're miscarrying and maybe there's some kind of complication going on and you're losing too much blood, um, definitely seek the doctor, the, the doctor's office, but just know to like, and kind of release yourself from any guilt. If you have a miscarriage in your first trimester, um, I've experienced some, some disappointments that are kind of undiagnosed. I don't really know what happened, um, with two, two instances that happened last year. They might've been blighted ovum or missed miscarriages or chemical pregnancies. I'm not really sure what happened, um, those two times, but 
like if your pregnancy is meant to happen in the first trimester there's really nothing that a doctor can do at the er or anything to save your baby it's really unfortunate and it's really sad but it's true and as i've mentioned a few times now if you're on a fertility plan and like you you're on um, progesterone suppositories or something like that to keep your pregnancy viable you're likely on a different plan um, than somebody that's just going to experience a pregnancy loss um, and there's really nothing that you can do about it your immune system is less strong during pregnancy wash your hands often or use hand sanitizer if you have the option avoid close contact with sick people get your flu shot saw it shot in the fall it's safe during pregnancy um so right now with COVID-19 uh, specifically I'm in self-isolation and that's kind of what's recommended um for pregnant ladies right now we're not in any increased risk group um and they the doctor told me that um they have found in their tests that COVID-19 cannot cross the placenta so if you as the mother have it and you're pregnant your fetus will not get it it's not going to be a complication in your pregnancy the when it becomes a complication is when you have it in your final trimester or if you have somebody in the room that has it um then it can go to your baby and then it can be very um dangerous for your baby so i'm very very thankful to during this crisis just be in my first trimester because i'm it's very low risk um, take extra care to make sure your food is safe to avoid food poisoning. Meat, fish, and eggs should be well cooked. Avoid sushi, raw sprouts, non-dried deli meats, and unpasteurized cheese. So I am terrible for eating whatever I want when I'm pregnant. Um, I eat sushi like a mad woman, but in Saskatchewan, most of our fish that goes into sushi is either frozen first or it is cooked so it's uh less less risky than in other parts of the world where it would just be like straight from the ocean to your plate um i don't eat deli meat i don't eat sprouts and uh, unpasteurized cheese um i read somewhere that all cheese here is pasteurized i don't know if that's true i do know that blue cheese is kind of like on the list or sorry not blue cheese um brie is on the list of cheese that you probably shouldn't eat when you're pregnant and i've eaten it so Anyway, meh. <laughs> um, let someone else change the cat litter. Cat feces can have a parasite called toxoplasmosis that can be harmful to unborn babies. If you must scoop the litter yourself, litter yourself, wear disposable gloves and wash your hands well afterwards. I also used like a respiratory uh, kind of mask thing um, when I did it when I was pregnant with Oliver. Um, the thing about toxoplasmosis is that likely if you have had a cat your whole life, you've already been exposed to this and you've built up an immunity that you're likely going to pass on to your baby. So if you're like me and you have always had cats, this is probably like a very, very low risk, not a big deal. I still get my husband to change the cat litter whenever I can while I'm pregnant, just because I'm lazy and don't want to do it and it's gross. Um... But just so you know, this is like kind of like a thing that's not a big deal. If if you are the kind of person though that never had cats and you just got a cat, um, I would highly recommend getting someone else to do it. But yeah, it's kind of, it, it's something that I've looked into uh, quite extensively because my husband used to be gone a lot um, and I had to do the cat litter. There was just like no other option. Um, and yeah, it's very low risk. 
Exercise in moderation may help reduce aches, pains in pregnancy and prepare for the challenges of labor. It also helps prevent complications related to high blood pressure in pregnancy. Often women can continue exer to exercise in a way that they were doing before they got pregnant. You should still be able to talk in a full sentence while you exercise. If you have not been doing regular exercise, start slowly and gradually. Discuss what is safe with your doctor. Avoid contact sports or activities with a risk of falling, such as horseback riding, no scuba diving, and drink plenty of water while exercising. Um, so I think I, I really touched on this quite a bit before. Um, so risk of falling, I pole dance. Um, I just have a pole in my house that I use, so it's not even eight feet tall. So my risk of falling is very low. I've fallen down the stairs twice um, <laughs> in the last month. So I don't know, like obviously, again, as you get further along in your pregnancy, when your baby protrudes further than your pelvis, it's at greater risk. Um, but yeah, so anyway, exercise. If you can only do two exercises, I would recommend um, squats. <laughs> and uh, stretch doing the goddess pose um, in yoga, and that should be good. Um, I was a really big suck my first pregnancy, and I did a really terrible job of staying limber, and I'm really trying to do a better job this time. I feel like it's a little bit easier because I'm at home more often, so I feel like I have opportunities to take breaks in the day and exercise in a way that makes me feel less self-conscious than if I was in an office setting and trying to exercise. Um, because in my previous pregnancy with Oliver, I was just so tired by the end of the day and I would only get up like five, 10 minutes before I had to be at work. So I really didn't have the opportunities um, to exercise that I wanted. And then on my breaks, I would always just nap or practice my hypnobirthing. So I really did not, stay as fit as I wanted to throughout my pregnancy last time. And I'm really trying to do a better job this time. I'm going to go overtime on this podcast uh, this week. So sorry about that, guys. Please stick with me if you can. Avoid excess heat, um, hot tubs and saunas, or exercising in hot weather. I do bathe. Um, one thing that I think um, can, is, is good for the case of bathing. So um, when you bathe the water slowly gets colder as you sit in it um whereas with a hot tub it's always replenishing the hot water so it stays at a static hot temperature so that's why i think that if you're especially having aches and pains i've been having a lot of really terrible breast soreness and hot baths have really been helping me i had a lot of bad back pain when i was pregnant with oliver and hot baths helped me a lot um and i think they are totally safe because again as hot as you make your bathtub, it just doesn't stay hot. Um, so I think that that's okay. If it is making you feel not okay, definitely get out. But yeah, it's, I think it's okay. Um, go to your prenatal appointments. Usually we recommend once a month until 28 weeks and then once every two weeks until 36 weeks and then weekly visits after that. This schedule may be changed if there are any concerns in your pregnancy. These appointments are important for monitoring baby's growth, signs of any complications like high blood pressure or diabetes. Um, so I'm a little bit of a loosey goose when it comes to this stuff. I definitely go to all of my prenatal appointments, but mostly I go to hear the heartbeat. <laughs> um, I do not, I only get one ultrasound. I get my dating ultrasound just to confirm kind of when I think um, I'm going to be having the baby. And that also kind of gives you, um, if you do your dating ultrasound 
and you were on track, which I always am because I know my cycle, um, for your date, it can give you like a good reading when you get to that fundal uh, height measurement because once they start taking fundal height measurement, if it's totally in line with how you're dating, then there's no need to kind of be more anxious where it's like, if you didn't get that dating ultrasound, which again, I don't think it's necessary to get if, if especially if you know your cycle, like I do, um, it can be a little bit more like, oh, well, you are measuring at 20 weeks, but you know, according to your last period, you're supposed to be 18 weeks. Like maybe we should do an ultrasound now, you know? And so, um, so I think that if you're going to do if you don't really want to do any ultrasound, but you're like, man, which one should I do? I would recommend doing the dating ultrasound, but also do not feel pressured. If you don't want to have an ultrasound at all, you don't have to have an ultrasound at all. Um, the other things that I don't do, I don't do any of the genetic screening um, that they say you can do and maybe somebody recommends to you. I don't do any of that. I don't care if my baby comes out with a flipper or if my baby comes out um, with any kind of special needs, I will love that child and I will do my best to raise that child as best as possible. Um, it's not gonna, I, I think that some people do it because they would want to terminate the pregnancy, but other people just do it because they want to be prepared for what's going to happen. Um, the one thing that I found out about some of that genetic testing is that you'll get this readout and it's really confusing to understand. And then it'll say, oh, you have this amount of likelihood of having this problem with your baby. Like it won't tell you a definite yes or no, this will be a problem. So then it actually doesn't prepare you at all. It just makes you totally anxious your whole pregnancy. So I just choose to accept whatever destiny the universe has in store for me and just not bother putting myself through that. Um, I, of course, get my blood pressure checked regularly. I do do the strep B test uh, at the end of pregnancy, which is a um, vaginal swab and rectal swab. Um, luckily, the way I do things with the midwifery office, they actually let you do it yourself. So that's good. I tested negative for strep B last time. I had a acquaintance who tested positive for strep B in her last trimester and actually had severe complications and her baby uh, had to be in the ice um, in NICU. Um, so it's, it's one of those things that at the time I was really skeptical, skeptical as whether or not strep B testing was necessary. And again, you have the right to refuse anything. If you don't want to do the strep B test, don't do it. Um, but after hearing her story, I was like, wow, I'm really glad that I did that because I was really on the fence about it. Um, I did not do any of the vaccines that were recommended because I'm kind of skeptical of any vaccines. Uh, so I didn't get any vaccines with my last pregnancy. Don't plan on getting any this time. As I mentioned before, I'm not doing any other ultrasounds unless there's something that's like, oh my gosh, what's going on? You need one. Um, and the other thing that I don't do is I don't do the diabetes screening, um, blood test and whatever tests and all that stuff. I think it's unnecessary. I'm low risk and I wasn't having any symptoms last time. So again, unless there's like a major worry, I'm just not going to do it this time. So those are some very strong opinions. Do your own research, get your own advice. I uh, think I'm totally crazy if you want. Um, but yeah, I go to my prenatal appointments. <laughs> That's what I do. <laughs> um, allow more time to rest. You may feel more tired in pregnancy, especially in the first trimester. Absolutely. I am so tired and I nap all the time. And I'm sure my boss is 
just furious at me, especially because my boss is my mom and she's had 11 babies and she's always been easy breezy about it. And I am such a baby about it, but man, I just, I listen to my body and I nap and I go to bed early and I sleep. And I know, I think my husband's also furious at me um, and feeling lonely and neglected, but I just like, I don't know, man, this baby, he just, he, he or she just runs the show. Um, limit caffeine to no more than 300 milligrams per day. This is actually interesting because I've actually read 200 milligrams on other um, places, but that's okay. Um, doesn't matter. One to two cups of coffee. I have not been able to keep down coffee. Coffee has been a major food aversion for me, or I guess beverage aversion for me this pregnancy, which is so weird because I'm a total, again, if you know me at all, I'm a total coffee fiend normally. And my entire pregnancy with Oliver, I drank so much coffee. Um, I don't think I ever went up to like more than two cups a day. I was probably only one cup a day, but still I, I was just like, I need it. I need it. And this time, not at all. Uh, I am getting caffeine from other sources though. Um, but I'm definitely not getting over 300 milligrams a day. Um, the sources of caffeine that I'm likely getting are probably mostly from chocolate. <laughs> um, plan to breastfeed your baby. Again, this is a really nice one. I know a lot of people that are just like, oh, I couldn't breastfeed. Oh, I had, I didn't want to, or, oh, it hurt too bad. Or, oh, I just wasn't like producing enough. So I just switched. I really liked that they put on here, plan to breastfeed your baby. Babies who are breastfed don't get sick as often, are less likely to have diabetes, obesity later in life. Breastfeeding is highly recommended for babies and has lots of benefits for mothers too. It lowers your risk of breast cancers and saves a lot of breast cancer and saves a lot of money. If you have challenges with feeding, make sure to ask for help from your nurse, doctor, or lactation consultant. Um, it does talk about the Leshy League on here. Um, the Leshy League, I've tried to join. Um, and they, I, I'm sorry, I'm sorry if you love it. And I'm sorry if you're a part of it here, they suck in where I'm from. Um, they don't answer their emails timely. They don't have any supports in place. It just totally sucks. They never update any of their social media. It blows. So find, find a friend, find a breast friend, <laughs> um, somebody who you can connect with that is pro breastfeeding and again this is one of those things like several of the other items that i've mentioned that it's just like make your own decision and then stick with it and seek out people that are like-minded and find the support you need because i again had a lot of like naysayers about breastfeeding when i um was pregnant with oliver and i was really scared about breastfeeding but it was awesome and i just i did a lot of my own research i um you know, I, I worked hard at it. I made sure that I was doing everything in my power to make sure that I had a really good supply. I did pumping. I did almost exclusively pumping for a long time because I went back to work so early, but I was uh, nursing at night. Um, yeah, and I've been a, a very, very successful at breastfeeding. And again, I hope that one day I can pass that along and help other women with breastfeeding because I do think it's really important. Um, my son has had like normal kind of stuff. Like he's had like a stomach bug and he's had a, you know, a cold or whatever. Um, and then definitely, uh, when he's been teething, he's been totally miserable, but I definitely think that, uh, breast milk and breastfeeding has really helped with so many things. Um, 
So yeah. Uh, be careful with any prescription or over-the-counter medications uh, as per what I was saying with uh, medicinal marijuana. Sometimes they will think something's safe for a uh, mommy to be and then it will turn out later not to be and then there'll be a class action lawsuit and it'll be terrible. So hmm. it's best to have your pharmacist or doctor check if they are safe in pregnancy before taking anything. Many medications have not been thoroughly studied in pregnant women. For pain and fever in a healthy pregnant woman, acetaminophen is generally considered low risk at the following dose of up to 4,000 milligrams per day if using occasionally and up to 3,000 milligrams per day if using frequently. Anti-inflammatories including ibuprofen, aspirin, and naproxen are not recommended in the first trimester or in the third trimester. Ask your doctor before taking them at any time during pregnancy. So again, if you can just like avoid anything, um, for yeast infections, Monistat and Canestin are both fine. Um, but yeah, it, just avoid taking anything. And if you're sick, try like natural ways of getting healthy before you prescribe anything to yourself <laughs> or have anything prescribed to you. Take good care of your teeth. I cannot emphasize this enough. I have such bad um, gum inflammation when I'm pregnant and I just, my teeth bleed and bleed and bleed and it really triggers my nausea. So if you go get a cleaning, this will highly, highly reduce your gum inflammation. I know that sounds really counterintuitive because you're like, well, I just not bleed out um, because my gums bleed so much. No, it is awesome for you and you'll feel way better. So I highly, highly recommend if you're like me and you have problems with gums, um, and your teeth while pregnant, go get a cleaning. So brush your teeth, floss, visit your dentist. Uh, you wanna prevent bad gum disease, you're at higher risk for gingivitis when you're pregnant. Um, and all of this is actually a risk factor for high blood pressure and preterm delivery. So like, just, just do it, just look after yourself. Um, avoid travel to areas with Zika virus while you are pregnant the virus can cause serious birth defects in babies if you're traveling out of the country during pregnancy or with an infant it is recommended to go to a travel health clinic for advice and any needed vaccines book this appointment as far as advanced as possible so obviously right now with COVID-19 no one is traveling anywhere um but uh when Oliver was very new he was three months we went to Mexico and we did um seek out uh, information from the travel health clinic and we got all the vaccines that were recommended. Um, nothing really was like extra recommended than what was just normally on his chart to be vaccinated for at that time. Um, Cause we were just going to Mexico, but uh, it's important to do. Learn more about pregnancy giving birth and caring for your newborn at prenatal classes, which are a great source of info. So I personally didn't take prenatal classes per se. I hired a hypnobirthing coach and I also had a doula um, during my pregnancy, but she didn't attend the labor. So I had different kinds of support that I got. And then I read a lot of books. I watched a lot of videos. Um, I ingested a ton of information. So it just kind of depends on like what, what is your style of learning? Um, I, I'm a homeschooler. <laughs> I was homeschooled throughout um, most of my academic career and I just am better at learning things by myself um, or on an online kind of platform or something like that. Uh, so for me, um, I didn't do prenatal classes, but I did other things. And I think it's really, really important. I think that we have this kind of weird societal thing where 
oh, pregnancy is not a big deal. Giving birth is not a big deal. Like you just, periods aren't a big deal. Like any of these like women problems are just kind of like discounted and kicked to the side. And we just kind of assume that because you are a woman, you're just going to be innately able to handle all of this stuff and don't feel like you have to. Like it's so foolish to think that it's something so dramatic in life that you don't need any training or you don't need any information about. And I have heard from girlfriends of mine who have not done any research before that birth was very scary and very traumatic for them and they just like didn't understand what was going on and so just you know like why why make it a, a harmful experience like my experience with birthing my son was just so incredible and it's such a good memory and I look back on it so fondly and I wouldn't trade that for the world so if I can pass on anything um to you is you know Get that info so that you can have that same kind of like blessed experience rather than a scary one because it does feel like you're dying at some points um it's not like it's different than pain it's just so intense that you're like there's no possible way and i really do think i'm a little bit of a mysticist myself a mystic um myself and i just kind of do feel like when you're bringing life into this world you kind of are hovering you know in this space between life and death and it is really in really really intense um so just to know that that's a thing and that it's going to be okay likely you know like maternal death does happen but not as often as you would think birthing is not generally an emergent situation and likely your doctor will know if it is going to be an emergent situation for you um ask your friends and family for support if you need extra help contact healthy mother healthy baby um i've never used that service but i'm sure it's lovely um so yeah so so i don't have a lot of friends um but i do have a really big family and i have a great spouse who's very supportive so that's great um routine tests in pregnancy so i already talked i or maybe i didn't um first trimester blood work urine testing so the, these kind of things are for blood count blood type iron level thyroid function immunity um to things like chicken pox rubella pyrovirus immunity to infection with hepatitis b c hiv syphilis chlamydia and gonorrhea and bladder infections um bladder infections are very common in pregnancy um i had a uti um with oliver but i've really been trying to look after myself better this time and i haven't had one yet and i haven't had a yeast infection yet either so that's good i had a couple when i was pregnant with oliver Optional blood work, maternal serum screening. So this is the stuff that, you know, checks for your risk of Down syndrome, but it won't tell you for sure if, so again, it's that thing that I was talking about before, like why unnecessarily stress yourself out. Um, trisomy 18 and spinal cord defects. The result comes back after the second test as long as the first one was low risk. Most of the time, the result is low risk. If your result is high risk, you may have the option to do further testing, such as amniocytitis. I don't know if I said that right, but basically that's when they check the amniotic fluid so that it can give you a more accurate um, kind of tell if... Yeah, but anyway, I wouldn't do any of that um, if you want to. You want to. Harmony testing, optional blood testing for genetic conditions. Again, same thing. I wouldn't do that. Um, it's not covered by insurance. 
so it does cost money. $525 in this province. Ultrasounds. So you have your dating ultrasound, which is the one that I said, if you're going to do one, do that one. Um, and then the, the anatomy uh, one at 20 weeks. And I didn't do that one. Um, and you don't have to if you don't want to. Um, you might have a doctor that asks for extra ultrasounds and you might electively choose to pay to have additional ultrasounds. Um, I don't know. It, it's kind of faux science that ultrasounds are bad for babies, but um, it's something that was like so hammered into my head. And here is just like the basic thing that was hammered into my head is that it's loud. <laughs> um, so there's lots of faux science that says other things that are risky about ultrasounds, which I don't really subscribe to other than, like I said, it was, it was something that was like routinely talked about for a long time in like the kind of community that I'm in, I guess, maybe it's just hippies or something, um, that ultrasounds are bad. And so it's just kind of like always kind of left a sour taste in my mouth. But at the end of the day, it's just very, very loud. And even a Doppler is loud for a baby. And like my son, Oliver, every single time we tried to put a Doppler on him, he like literally swam away from it. So the midwife was always like chasing him around with it. Um, and a Doppler is much less loud than an ultrasound. So if you can avoid having unnecessary ultrasounds, I recommend it. Um, one of the things that my midwives were like, mm, it might be nice if you got another ultrasound, but I didn't, um, because that's my choice, my body, my pregnancy, um, was they were wondering where the placenta was. Um, so if you have like an anterior placenta, if you have, what is it? Placenta prevera? I, I'm not sure. I'm sorry. I don't know the terminology, but just, um, there can be some like additional complications or risks. And so sometimes they like to know where the placenta is, but um, I didn't do it. <laughs> and um, the other thing is too, is with the Doppler, they can sometimes tell where your placenta is because it, it too has a pulse. Um, so I don't know, just consider it. If you want to have the ultrasounds, many people love having additional ultrasounds, so go hard. A uh, second trimester blood work, gestational diabetes test. Uh, no, I don't do this. <laughs> Again, um, you can if you want to. A uh, test that I did do in my second trimester was blood type and complete blood count and iron levels. Uh, the reason why I did this is A, I did not know what my blood type is. I am O positive, so that's interesting. Um, and then I did do the complete blood count and iron levels um, because I am regularly a vegetarian. Um, my hemoglobin uh, count was a little low and my iron was a little low. So I'm just at one of, I'm, I'm pretty close. And I don't want to say that this has anything to do with vegetarianism. So sorry that I said that before at all, but it's just one of those things, um, that I mentioned. Uh, I do kind of straddle the line between anemic. And if you've ever seen a video of me or a picture of me, you can probably tell because I am so very pale. Now, I have always been this way, uh, even when I was in meat eater. And when I was pregnant with Oliver, I had red meat every single day, sometimes multiple times a day, and I still had low hemoglobin count and low iron levels. So I don't know. I don't know what that says about me. And also I have been routinely taking supplements. So I don't know. It's just something that some people I just think are low iron people. And yeah. I don't know. And, and any times I've been like a strict vegan or vegetarian, I've, I have had blood tests before to just kind of check how I'm doing. And I just always kind of straddle that line. Uh, and my mother has also always kind of straddled that line. And she's 
someone that eats red meat very frequently. So again, I don't really think that has anything to do with iron. I think it more has to do with some people absorb iron from their diet better than others. Um, but who knows? Uh, third trimester rectal, uh, vaginal rectal swab, as I talked about before, which tests for group B strep. Um, this is a bacteria that some women have in their vagina or lower rectum. It doesn't usually cause women's symptoms, but it can make the baby sick if it picks up the bacteria during birth. If you have the bacteria, antibiotics are recommended during labor. Um, so as I mentioned, um, I had an acquaintance that this affected her child and uh, with significant uh, results. Her baby's totally fine now, um, but they're, they were, I think, in NICU for two weeks because of this. So given that, um, yeah, the, the problem with the group B strep test is that because it's done at week 36 or 37, you, and, and like it, it goes in and out of your body all the time, basically. So if you routinely tested yourself throughout your whole pregnancy, you might test positive for it sometimes and then negative for it at other times and then be negative again. Um, when you gave birth. It's so unpredictable. So you could test negative for it at week 36, but then be positive at week 40 when you give birth. Um, so that's one of the things about it that it's like, do you want to do it? Do you not? And then also the antibiotics, it's still your, your body, your pregnancy, your baby, your choice. So you could still say if you tested positive at 36 weeks you could say i don't i still don't want antibiotics during labor so i don't know um <laughs> something that some people specifically um some obstetricians on the internet might be like oh my gosh why are you even saying this but my doctor sorry my midwife said to me she was like use um garlic on your yoni to um prevent this so I don't know um if you're into that alternative medicine like me luckily I was not positive so I didn't even worry about this but yeah apparently it's a thing um though some people are like oh my gosh do not do that um I mean I don't know it, it's up to you and it's up to what your healthcare provider says um so then they just have a list of some pregnancy info uh websites that might be helpful um, Society of Obstetricians and Gynecologists of Canada, Saskatchewan Prevention Institute, um, Mother Risk, Safety of Medications and Other Substances in Pregnancy, Health Canada, Info on Nutrition, Healthy Weight Gain and More, Registered Dietitians of Canada, Info for Healthy Eating for Everyone, Medaline Plus, Info on General Health and Medical Problems. And then for breastfeeding, um, there are two ladies that are board certified lactation consultants. Um, so they have tips on parent for new parents and breastfeeding classes. Uh, so yeah, so if you um, want to check them out, their app is called New Nest. Um, International Breastfeeding Center. And then your life with your baby, Canadian Pediatric Society. Lots of parenting tips 
from Canadian Pediatricians. Anyway, if you've made it all the way to the end, thank you so much for listening. Um, that went super long, almost an hour, but my voice did kind of hold out and so did my technology. So thank you for listening and taking the time to hear about all of these things. I hope you found it helpful and perhaps even entertaining. I hope to keep this stuff up to date more regularly now. Um, baby's as big as a fig this week and we're approaching the end of the first trimester, which is so freaking exciting. Hopefully I feel better at the end of this. Um, I hope to give you guys an update next week after my midwifery appointment. Um, but if not, I will talk to you folks soon, maybe in the second trimester. Thanks so much, guys. Talk to you again.